2: Falcons fans, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, speaking. Just wanted to let you guys know that you can catch the show live on Wednesdays at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, and you can also catch our post-game shows on Sundays after the game. Thanks very much for watching, guys, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Live's week one post-game show, Falcons versus Seahawks. And if you guys were hoping to get that week one lost post-game show, well, you had your wish granted. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure none of you guys actually had that wish. We all wanted to see the Falcons come away with a victory this weekend. Unfortunately, the team had other plans. Uh, it looked basically like it did the past few years. Um, first half actually was competitive, uh, which was a change from the past two years. So that that part was good. Uh, Falcons were only down 14-12. to 12 series of mistakes, especially that one uh, defensive pass interference on third and 23 that were pretty crushing, let the Seahawks get that lead, Um, and you know, missed extra point, Uh, some sloppiness there, but for the most part, the first half was was good, like it was solid, like we, I think going out of the first half, we were all, you know, relatively open, Uh, welcome in, hold on, let me switch it over here, Adnan Ikic joining us now, welcome Adnan, I just, I just did the intro, so you had perfect timing.
0: Perfect timing as usual.
2: Yes, as usual. How, yeah, so uh, how you feeling? How you feeling, bud, after that one? God, this fucking sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, not great, obviously. Um, I was just saying, like, the first half was encouraging, right? Like, we had that bad 3rd and 23 DPI. But other than that, I mean, there were some good things. Outside zone was happening. The defense got, what, three sacks in the first half? I mean, it was all, you know, the positivity was was boundless, you know, not really, but it, it was at least, you know, competence compared to what we're used to in week one. And then the second half happened and we're right back where we started the previous two seasons. So, uh, yeah, well, I just vented some. So, uh, Nan, go ahead and, and give me, you know, your immediate venting reactions to, to this game.
0: Uh, for the fifth straight year, Dan Quinn's football team looked rele- pretty incompetent overall in week one. And yes, I'm even counting that week one victory in twenty seventeen against the Bears because we had no business winning that game because Tariq Cohen dropped like two passes in the end zone. Um, it was just mental mistake after mental mistake and you I can't I don't even want to say, Oh yeah, you just have to chalk it up to week one because Seattle wasn't having those same exact mistakes that we were, that were just like incompetent. Um Seattle did have that mistake with Shaquille Griffin, but that was him on Calvin Ridley's first touchdown, but that was just him colliding with his own player accidentally. I'm talking about stuff like that Ricardo Allen penalty was absolutely horrendous on third yeah. and twenty three. Uh Lockett was in complete coverage and Ricardo Allen just like took him out, and then he's like looking at the ref talking about how it's not a penalty like that <laughs> set the tone for everything because the falcons would have gotten off the field leading 3 0 and then who knows what, what could have happened after that but instead chris carson scores a touchdown on that first drive ricardo allen gifts them seven points uh i i did and didn't like the aggression from dan quinn uh there were some of those fourth downs where it, it was like I didn't mind going for it on fourth down. I just didn't like the play calls on those fourth downs. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I did like uh, going for it on the fake punt, but that was just completely unfortunate <laughs> where it was, very unfortunate. You know, it was, it was just like a fumble. Yeah. Um, it, the defense, Isaiah Oliver just got completely burned. Yeah. Uh, I warned about that scrimmage. before
2: the game. I feel like I literally said that. Oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't, you know, put Isaiah Oliver in man coverage against DK Metcalf because he's not very fast. And, you know, yeah, there we go. So
0: Yeah, but basically, I and I tweeted it out, if you thought that the Falcons defense had trouble with this offense, there's an even better offense uh, where you're traveling to them next week mm-hmm. uh, in the Cowboys where they have – They have a quarterback who's, in my opinion, just as good as Russell Wilson. Uh, I think Dak Prescott last year proved that he was among the best in the league. He had 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns. You have a trio of pass-catching weapons who are better than Metcalf and Lockett and Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, who was a first-rounder this year, and Michael Gallup, who I think went for over a 1,000 yards last year. And you have Zeke Elliott who is one of the elite running backs in the NFL and you have a, a better offensive line than what you face today in oh, Seattle. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean there there were some there were some positives <laughs> to
2: take out of it, of course. A few, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah.
0: Yeah, I know we don't want to like talk about that right now. We just well, want to no, no, up. it's
2: okay. Like, let's get the positives yeah. in, and then we can start the slander in, in earnest. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, the first play of the game, it was attack uh, sack. The defensive line got got more pressure than what we were seeing out of them last year. Uh, the offense was the offense was clicking sometimes, you know. And we did establish the run early on. We just decided to go away from it. Todd Gurley did look good. Um, Calvin Ridley looked good. Russell Gage. Julio Jones. We had 300-yard receivers in this game. And, you know, young wei got us another onside kick. Yeah, uh, that as, was as the best
2: time. onside kick I have ever seen in my life. It's such a shame that it was completely... Meaningless, but oh my god, that was probably the best onside kick I have ever seen. Yeah, like, it and was and to be
0: honest, Foyo Foy Luican might be the best uh <laughs> in, in the league in recovering onside kicks yeah, at this point. I mean, he and Koo just have that like mental connection. We're number at, one at in this something, point,
2: you know. So Yeah, at
0: this point <laughs> I'm down to just go onside kick every single yeah. time. You score, you just go onside kick.
2: Yeah, I mean it was beautiful. It was perfect. I mean it was absolutely perfect. Like in the the ball was up in the air at the ten yard line with, with like, Oluokun right there. I mean, it was a thing of beauty. It was a shame that the Falcons were still down two scores at that point. uh, And, you know, they basically had still zero chance of winning the game. But, uh, you know, maybe in a game that we're actually in contention at the end, that that skill set will come in handy. uh, Because it was, I mean, even if we just have to watch Ku just kick those for fun, I mean, it was still entertaining. So I guess there's that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm totally on the same page as you here. Like,
0: Uh, I'm sorry, I'm laughing at uh, Matt's tweet that he just tweeted out. It was uh, Evan Birchfield, uh, uh, one of our uh, co-hosts, he Mm. tweeted out that the Falcons did have three wide receivers with 100 yards and lost. And then Matt
2: tweets out, we did it! (laughs) We did it, you guys, we did Yeah, I gotta pull up the stats, because it's pretty
1: pretty embarrassing.
2: Oh, welcome in, uh, Keenan, how are you doing? I I, uh, see that you're in here. Welcome, welcome.
1: Hey, what's going on? What's happening?
2: Yeah, so we're in the middle of some slander, but uh I'll let you get oh, I'll let man. you get I'll let you get your your uh instant reactions in here real quick while I pull up some stats. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> um, Russell Wilson played better than we did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of them, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, Matt didn't do too bad. It's just uh man, actually, you know what? The offensive line played pretty well too. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept him clean most of the time. It's just uh See I guess just one of them days Seattle had more things going their way for them. You yeah. know. Yeah. But that first half, you know, they had a couple couple big plays, uh, where Ricardo had the pass interference which we was just about to get off the field on and then they mm-hmm. ended up scoring. Um yeah, it just wasn't our day.
2: Yeah, it wasn't, you know, the best day. I mean, the first half, I think, was solid. I mean, outside of that DPI that you mentioned where we were really close. I mean, the first half was encouraging. Pass rush was great, and yeah. the offensive line looked better. Uh, and then, you know, all of that goodwill just evaporated in approximately 15 minutes where the third quarter was just an absolute disaster. Uh, mm. So it was, uh yeah, not great, obviously. Um, I believe, Adnan, you were... We were talking about, you know, there were some positives to the game, obviously. We were just talking about that Young Way Koo cool onside kick. What would you think of that, uh, Keenan there? Did you, did you like that onside kick?
1: Yeah, it was very good, man. <laughs> I thought, beautiful. I'm sorry, I thought you was talking about Oh, no, you're cool, you're cool. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that onside kick was real good, man. I thought Foye was about to take off with it, you know. Uh, very good. Uh, I wish he'd have made that extra point earlier in the game, you know. But, uh, you know, hey, it wasn't it wasn't his fault.
2: Yeah, no. What I mean, Gono got the, the penalty there and he hit it the first time. I think maybe also the sun had just kind of come right into his face on that on that second kick, so maybe that had something to do with it, but you know, it wasn't like that was the difference in the game, so I'm hesitant to no. really put anything on no. young Waikou. But
0: And uh I just saw the New Orleans Saints on third and eight. Drew Brees dinks it down three yards for a fourth down. I think we'll we'll see a lot of that from the Saints <laughs> this year, but Well, I I mean, I can't even talk. We saw a lot of that from the Falcons in this game as well, where it was like third down, and they didn't even get it to the line of scrimmage. Um, But in in Matt Ryan's offense, there, they were just bringing that blitz with Jamal Adams every single time. And Jamal Adams was easily the player of the game in this game. He was literally everywhere. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yes, he was.
0: I have no idea how it took an entire half to adjust the protection uh, yeah. to the right side of that offensive line. They just kept bringing them from the right side, and we just, there was someone unblocked over and over again. That's, it's up to the coaching staff when that happens the first time. You have to make an adjustment.
2: Yeah, yeah, you do. And like, that, like, we were calling the Jamal Adams blitz packages, like, a week ago. Like, how are these—like, I just don't understand. Like, how can you not be prepared for that? The, the man's the best blitzing safety in the NFL, and they have a terrible defensive line. You don't think he's going to blitz? Like, seriously? Like, that that's <laughs> part of my problem here. Like, I, it doesn't take Keenan Forney, like, no, like, no offense to us, but, like— I'm sure Keenan was all over this. Like, we were, we you know, fans, and, you know, we like to call ourselves analysts, you know, and be nice to ourselves, but, like, we're fans, and, like, we were calling this. Why can't, you know, why, why can't they get it? So, I mean, do you have any insight on why that sort of package might not have been planned for, Keenan?
1: Uh, You know what? Actually, every time Jamal Adams made a play and was uh, <laughs> coming through like that, my boy, Alger Crumpler, was calling me on the phone talking about, man, I wonder if during the week of practice did they have a special jersey on for Jamal Adams, you know, for the practice squad guys. Be like, hey, look here, man, we got to count for him. But because I know when we were playing, we always did that for guys like Troy Polamalu or Ed Reed, you know. Right, right. Safeties mm-hmm. that are game changers, you know. So I don't know. But uh, there was a couple times where he came through there and it was just like, like y'all said, there was nobody accounting for him, whether it was on that one where they had uh I can't remember which quarter it was, but they had two, three techniques and they both and they walked both the linebackers up in the A gap and they blitzed him off the outside. You know, they mm-hmm. it was like a six man protection and they were showing that they were bringing at least seven, you know. Yeah. But and then there was the one where he chased down a backs he chased down from the backside. What was it? I think it was a counter or it was a, a power play. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, I think Bruce Irvin had a pretty good um, – he had a, He stuffed Keith Smith the fullback. He stuffed him pretty good to where they couldn't, you know, really widen that hole a little bit. Right. You know, Chris Lindstrom turned in there, and Jamal Adams had just enough speed and just enough get-off to chase the thing down from the backside. He was just um, – man, he had him a day-to-day.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was tremendous. Like, you know, I think that, you know, we could critique maybe that he was a little early uh, a couple times. And look, the refs, other than that Ricardo Allen DPI, they were pretty consistent about – letting them kind of play in the secondary. Um, So, like, I mean, I feel like, you know, obviously the homer in me thinks that, you know, some of those probably should have been flags, at least defensive holding, where he got there early a few times. But, like, I mean, at the same time, like, it was tight coverage everywhere he was. Like, you know, the Falcons were not really getting open on offense outside of, I mean, there were definitely some plays where they were moving the ball. I mean, they moved the ball extremely well. They had over 500 yards. Like, I mean, this is not an issue of the Falcons not moving the ball. The issue was scoring, and they had scored. They were over 400 yards and only 18 points going into the fourth, and they did tack on that garbage-time touchdown. But, I mean, this is where the Dirk Cutter slander begins. So if you guys came here for that, it's starting now. Um, (laughs) So, like, this is not something that is – an aberration with dirt cutter. This is something that happens regularly where the Falcons are producing tons of yards. They're moving the ball and they get to the red zone and they can't punch it in. Like, this is not the first time this has happened. Um, and going over 500 yards with just 25 points to show for it. Um, I mean, come on, like we need, we have to do better than that. Like this is not acceptable. Uh, and like, it's hard to even count like at least a hundred of those yards came in garbage time at, you know, at minimum. Um, but, like, this is a game that the Falcons should have been tied in. Like, they should have been in contention at the end. I mean, even with the defense really kind of falling apart in the second half, this was a game that they should have been in. But they just couldn't get the scores. Like, they were 0-4 on fourth down. Like, I mean, that that's a huge factor in this game, is not being able to convert a single fourth down. The fake punt, like, I think that was extremely ballsy, like, extremely aggressive to the point where that's even maybe too much for me. But and you get it and then you fumble it. Like that's just a, a dumb error. But like I, I I just It was a great call. He it it got, was.
1: Just, he, he got he gotta hold on to the ball. I mean, you gotta give credit to to the player for Seattle. I forget his name, but he made a great tackle. He put his head right on the ball and boom,
0: popped it
2: out. It was it was good. Yeah. Um so like I mean I think the call it came off a little desperate to me, but it worked and then it didn't work. So it's like it's kind of like I don't know how to feel about it. Like it's it's yeah. kind of there's some good and bad to that call. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when 100. it went
1: wrong, it just gave them a short field. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of having to make them earn it, it just gave them a short field. And, you know, Russell was on fire today, man. He, he was. Doing it. He was. You know, and, I, and, and matter of fact, you go back to, you know, uh, to some of Jamal Adams' plays, some of that stuff, you got to give credit to Seattle's coaches because they had it schemed up pretty good. You know, like they just made it to where he would be just unblockable on that. And, you know, he just made the plays. That, he made some great plays out there. He did. He did. Uh, I think we can agree that the Falcons definitely got outcoached in this game.
0: And mm. the issue is, they get outcoached in a lot of their games. And it just <laughs> keeps happening. And especially in week one, it just kept happening. Where, you know, this week one wasn't as bad as last year's week one, but it's still, it was still absolutely terrible. Like, <laughs> you, you, you can't, you were down by three possessions in the fourth quarter. Sure, you, you got it. You got to back closer, but a lot of that was garbage time, if we're being honest. And you know, shout out to Calvin Ridley fantasy owners and to Matt Ryan fantasy owners, but that that's not helping the team win. No,
2: and it part the frustrating thing for me too was like we saw this run game actually look good in the first quarter, like they were up over five yards per carry, like Gurley was was getting it done, and then it seemed like the zone outside zone plays evaporated. Like I, I don't understand, like. Like, it was just draws, it was power up the middle, like, these inside-the-tackles runs, and, like, Gurley can do that stuff. Like, it's not like he's terrible at it, but, like, this is a team that has made its its name in the run game since, basically, 2016 by running outside zone. And, like, I, I you know, I can give Cutter some credit for running it effectively for a quarter, and then he just scrapped it, like... This is the same thing that happened last year. Like, we saw flashes of what the offense he's supposed to run, the Shanahan, you know, Sarkeesian offense with outside zone and play action, and then it just disappears quickly because I just think the main problem here is Dirk Cutter doesn't know how to call the West Coast offense. He's never called it before. This is not his offense. Like, so to me, it's maybe it's not really Dirk Cutter's fault that the Falcons decided to hire him to run an offense that he's clearly not comfortable running. So, I mean... Maybe that's the real issue here, but uh
1: yeah. Well, I don't want to put it all on Dirk. No, know, it's it's because, not it's not really, fair, yeah, but Yeah, I don't want to put it all on Dirk. I mean, you know, they did get behind in the they did get behind in the touchdown count. So I mean, that changes up your play calling as a old coordinator, you know, the the defense is starting to give up some and now you look up and you're down by 16 or whatever, you know? So it's like, okay, uh we can't really stick with our ground game, like how we want to, you know, we got to get it. We got to get on the board some kind of way. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to put it all on Dirk. You know, the defense is, they've got, they got to make those stops. They can't yeah, make silly yeah. mistakes, you know, like the pass interference. we were talking about Ricardo and uh, Isaiah giving up the one touchdown to DK out mm-hmm. there. Um, Cause I thought actually the defensive line, they was rushing pretty good. Yeah, They know? were
2: great. Like that was, they looked fantastic in this game. The defensive line, they were getting
1: pressure yeah. consistently. Yeah, there was uh, was a lot of mistakes just in the passing game, in the coverage area.
0: And just a quick update, uh, because you'll see it on ESPN all night, Tom Brady, first drive, marches down the field, and his first touchdown is a (laughs) sneak into the end zone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. They're going to be talking about that all all day.
2: <laughs> I hope they're talking about a Saints loss. That's the only thing that could make this weekend better
1: at this point. But, uh <laughs> but uh, I mean, I did I did see some positives, man. There were, there there were. were some good even though we got outscored. I mean, we gave them some some bad penalties that put them in position. I saw some positive stuff. You know, our D line they they got into that bear front I was talking a little bit about mm-hmm. about a, what was that this past week or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. trying mm-hmm. to get one on ones across the board and you know Grady I think Gr- he had like two sacks Fowler had a couple pressures and uh, Tack had him a sack on the first play of the game I was like mm-hmm. wow okay here we go mm-hmm. we just got to tighten up a little bit in that coverage in that back end a little bit yeah and because when you yeah, go because when you play that bare front it's man across the board you know right. so you only got man you gotta you gotta grab onto your nuts a hold on out there you know <laughs> right. and let that rush get there
2: exactly and like This is not totally unexpected in terms of the young secondary struggling. Like, um, I don't think we should have left Isaiah Oliver on, like, basically what looked like an island against DK Metcalf. Like, we had been talking about this all week. Like, that is not the matchup you want. Because while Oliver is good at covering big receivers downfield, he's not fast. So Metcalf, despite his size, is not really a good matchup for Oliver. Because Oliver's running a 4-5, totally respectable for a corner of his size. DK Metcalf's running a 4-3. Like, this man has point two on Isaiah Oliver. Like, this is not a matchup that Oliver's going to be successful if it's downfield. We saw Oliver cover him well on slants and stuff like that, which is encouraging, but, like, it, downfield, that's not that's not what you want. And I, I feel like Terrell probably should have been put on Metcalf. They seemed like they were kind of hiding Terrell in this game. Like, they had him on David Moore a lot. And, you know, I think other than that one play where uh, Terrell kind of bit on the action that, that Lockett did, um, and he... Thought maybe he could undercut the route and then lock it. hit him with a double move. And, you know, that was pretty much a big gain. Like, other than that, Terrell was okay. I mean, he's a rookie. Like, uh, his first NFL game, no preseason. For the most part, he was fine. Um, I just think you have to do better with these matchups. You can't let the offense get you in a matchup like that and not make an adjustment. Because you're just... You're just you're just asking for something like that to happen, and I know it was fourth and five. They were probably selling out to stop the run. The safety help was really late getting there, and it's just, you know, I I don't I don't really blame Oliver for that. Like he can't follow, he can't trail Metcalf downfield for like fifty yards. He just can't keep up with him. It's not possible. So I, I just you're you're asking him to do the impossible on that point. So I, I feel bad for Oliver on that one.
1: Yeah, when you play that bear farm, man, you're the, the D line. They got to get there. They have to get there. I mean, you got to get some kind of pressure, make him move off of his spot or something, you know, especially, you know, you know, Oliver, you know, he's not going to have any help. He's man-to-man with a guy that's running 4-3 yeah. and as big as he is, you know, the D-line, they got to they gotta get there on that in that situation.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's part of it too. And, you know, I think they, they really thought it was going to be run and then they just kind of got caught with their pants down there. Uh,
0: and, and I completely understand putting uh, Terrell on David Moore in this game just because – The last time AJ Terrell was on a football field in an actual game that means something was against Jamar Chase in the national championship game. And as much as we want to talk about how that doesn't matter and how that was in the past, it still matters for a rookie quarterback or a rookie cornerbacks confidence especially where you don't want to just throw him to the wolves immediately after the last time he played, it was on national television and he didn't really do a great job on Jamar Chase in that second half, so I understand the logic uh, behind it. But like you, like you said, Kevin, just putting uh, Isaiah Oliver on a pure one-on-one against DK Metcalf, and then I mean, who didn't see it coming? Where <laughs> DK Metcalf just runs a go route and just runs right by him, yeah. and especially on a fourth and five. Like if you get that stop, it's a whole new ball. It's a different ball game completely.
2: Yeah, and it, it's. You know that's the thing. Like, like I thought Oliver was fine like early. Like I, I think he was playing Metcalf well on this short game. Like he was, he was able to contain him on the slants and stuff like that. Uh, you know he had that great pass breakup and he was generally in position. But it's just like you gotta, you gotta see that if you're gonna match up Oliver on Metcalf, he has to have safety help because he's gonna get burned down the field. And you know that, that the Seahawks to their credit, they saw that matchup and they attacked it. And that's what you should do on offense. But uh, you know you just now you're gonna see that highlight reel for Oliver every single week. And, you know, fans are going to go after him because I mean, he got burned. So it, it, it's, it's a, I just hate it for Oliver. Um, and people ask him like, what does Oliver do? Well, like he's, he's a matchup outside corner for big receivers. So if you just look at DK Metcalf and you're like, he's a big receiver, put Oliver on him. Like that, I feel like that's what they did, but that's not really the right call because Metcalf plays more like a speed receiver, even though he's a big guy. and, uh, I just, yeah, I I would have, I would have lined it up differently. I would have been like, look, Terrell, you're supposed to be our first round pick. Go out there and play Metcalf. Like, don't waste your first round pick on David Moore. I mean, seriously, like, we, we needed Terrell to, to keep that exact play from happening. And you know, we didn't get to see him. Um, I, I think Terrell has plenty of confidence. He was lined up on Julio all trading camp. He was get, he was making plays. Like, uh, I just feel like the guy, like, sure. It's nice to build confidence, but you know what builds confidence winning football games. And that, uh, So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to com. It's magical.
1: Yeah, it just looked like they're trying to keep AJ just playing that left corner and keeping Isaiah playing right corner. They're not, they would not trying I to have, yeah. I hate, I hate that. that. so much. I hated that when we had Font and Oliver, when Font was
0: really close to being a shutdown cornerback, they wouldn't let him travel with the opposing team's best corner at all. And you're just letting the, the opposing offense completely dictate how the game is going to be played. If you just leave one cornerback on one side of the field the entire game, it's not like the defensive line where you know they're not going to be flipping linemen to left and right, uh, left and right uh, offensive line, left and right tackle. Excuse me. You you can't let the defense. You can't let the offense dictate how it's going to be played.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we talked about this, like, you guys were all there, we talked about it on the show, you know, earlier, like, we, there was hope that maybe with Raheem Morris taking over the secondary, we and Joe Witt coming in, that we were going to see some more aggressive game planning and matchup-based defense, you know, to combat the fact that offenses are going to target you, like, they're going to go after your guys, you, if you play sides, you lose control, like, you are now letting the offense decide who gets to play where. Uh, and you can't do that. Like you can't do that in today's NFL. Like the Seahawks are one thing. Like I would say the Seahawks are are one of the more archaically called offenses. Like this isn't even a cutting edge offense. I mean, oh yeah. I, I mean, I'll give Schottenheimer yeah, credit. Like he he, I think he did definitely use more pre snap motion and stuff like that this week, and he did a good job. But like no one's putting Schottenheimer in the Kyle Shanahan discussion or the Sean McVay discussion. This yeah. isn't a cutting edge uh, offense that you're seeing out there. And, yeah.
0: You, you'll see it next week uh, against Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy's offense filled with weapons and you're not going to be able to hide AJ Terrell on anyone next week yeah. because you have three studs coming in uh, at the wide receiver position.
2: Yeah and that's going to be an even harder game I mean like if you thought Seattle owned this team on defense like there's not a position group I think that other than quarterback I think Russell Wilson's better than Dak but like on Dallas's offense I think there's not a single position group that's not better than Seattle's like the offensive line's better the wide receivers are better Ezekiel Elliott's better than Chris Carson. Maybe tight end. You know they have Greg Olson and Will Disley. The the I mean Dallas doesn't really have much of tight end. So you know Blake Jarwin Hive, I guess. But like other than that, like I mean th- this is going to be a step up in competition. And you got to go on the road. Like this is now you're in a really bad spot if you're the Falcons. Like you're looking at zero and two. So
0: and, and, and even even to the point of like Dak, I'm t- like Dak is my dark horse this year to possibly win MVP. Like, he's in a contract year. He has that this new – he's in year two of Kellen Moore's system. He has a, a head coach who's going to let him unscrew it. So, you know, it's not going to be easy by any means next week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to do a quick note. Like we're up over 200 viewers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Uh, if you're here now, if you don't mind throwing a like at the video, that helps other folks here on YouTube find the show. Uh, and if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button too. Now back to the analysis. Cause that's, that's my plug. Back to the analysis. So uh,
0: yeah. I want to ask Keenan, uh, I know you probably uh, looked closely at uh, Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry because you know, you coach them up throughout the off season. Uh, how
1: do you evaluate their performances in this game? I thought they played pretty well. Uh, I know Chris came out the first quarter, he was getting, uh, he was allowing a little bit too much push, but it looked like he kind of settled himself down and readjusted his hands and started getting better leverage. Uh, I thought that the O-line protected pretty well. I mean, there was what I think Matt got sacked at one time on the play action boot, but that's not their fault. You know, they just made a good play, uh might have been a couple little presses. I think he got knocked down twice, but uh, other than that, I thought they played pretty solidly, especially James Carpenter. You know, in pass protection, he was doing pretty well, and Jake was solid over there too. Um, I think that was the re- one of the reasons why we was able to get um, a lot of yards in that last quarter, you know, because they were protecting their ass off. And let's be clear, that is hard as hell to do mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. the other team knows that you're about to pass – and now you gotta and the defense alignment knows that they're that, that's all you can do They're about to get their best pass rush moves out on you. Yeah, so uh, they showed up and showed out, you know And I think that was a positive. That was a bright spot. I think that shows we can get out there and uh Use those receivers that we have. I thought russell gage had some nice. Yeah, yeah. catches out there You know, he had the one where he leaked over somebody and julio had over 100 yards after what five catches and yeah, yeah. Calvin had the touchdown I mean I think we ought to use, we ought to lean towards that a lot more because they look pretty good out there. Now, granted, Seattle doesn't have the best defensive line, but hey, they look good out there. They look solid.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like all the pieces looked great. Like, like you said, I thought the offensive line looked much better. I mean, I think uh, Caleb McGarry had a little little struggle at the beginning of the game, but he's he, he st- you know, he got better. I think as the game went on got a little more you know just got settled in it's the first game of the season stuff happens um you yeah. know Lindstrom I think did well uh, at left guard the rotation of Hennessy and Carpenter was fine for the most part uh, obviously Jake Matthews and Alex Mack were, were great so offensive line looked better that's nice uh you know Todd Gurley early in the game looked great uh they went away from the outside zone and it kind of stalled out but for the most part it was fine Falcons still had you know. All of their backs had four, exactly four yards per carry. Now, that's not a great number. That's miles ahead of where they were last year, so that's always nice to see. Falcons had three receivers over 100 yards. Julio Jones, 157 yards. Ridley, 130. Russell Gage, 114. And, you know, 25 points with a stat line like that is just so disappointing for me. Um, so, uh, and I just... 38 points allowed, that's just not a number you ever want to see, like, opening the season with that number, like, it's it's just, like, y- you can't allow that many points on a defense, and I'll, I'll give them, like, the 7 from the, the fumbled fake punt, like, that, they had, like, a 20-yard field to defend, that's a really hard drive to stop, you know, I'll, I'll give them those 7, but, like, 31 points... 30 points a game is too much. Like, if you're allowing more than 30 points, you're going to put your offense in a bad place, and that's that's where they ended up.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly where they ended up. Forced you to have to come out and sling it.
2: Yeah, and to, to their credit, they did it well. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone until it was too late. Uh, like, right. they were able to sleep. I mean, it was almost exactly the same as last year's Seattle game where Matt Shaw came out here and slung it for 460 yards. Matt Ryan had 450 by the way. Uh, And like, they just couldn't score points. Like they had over 500 yards in that game and they just couldn't punch it in. Uh, So it's just, it's frustrating. Um, But you know, if you're looking for signs of hope, I mean the offense put a ton of yards up. If they can get some of those fourth downs, they can convert a little bit better on third down. Like this offense can still roll. Um, and you know it's clear that Seattle's defense was a lot better with uh, Jamal Adams than they would have been without him. Like I feel like that defense could have been a disaster without Jamal Adams. But um, you just gotta you gotta find ways to convert those red zone trips into points. And you got and if you're gonna go for it on fourth down and not go for field goals, you have to convert. Uh, I like the aggressiveness. I love it actually. Analytics tell us go for it on fourth down if you can. Uh, they just didn't get they didn't go their way this week so. Uh, it's rough.
1: Yeah. yeah what norm- was that? I think it was that one fourth down where Bobby Wagner shot through the hole, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that was, it wasn't Seattle. It was us, you yeah. know, they, mm-hmm. we didn't, you know, I think Jake held on a little bit too long on that backside, trying to help his tight end. out when he sees his guy, he's doubling to or scooping to whatever terminology they're using. He's stacked almost inside of you, man. You can't give much help to him. And he tried to give his boy some help and Wagner hit it on the run and boom.
2: Yeah,
0: and and, and so fairness, close. in fairness, Matt Ryan had an overall very good game, but he did absolutely kill one of those drives in the end, uh, where that was third and two, and he had that rushing lane where he could have gone through it, but he tried to force the pass into Calvin Ridley, and then on fourth down he missed Calvin Ridley, who was pretty open down the sidelines, yeah. and yeah, it, I think it it did hit. Yeah, Ridley uh, really had to, like, lay out game. for it. But, yeah, Kill, yeah, yeah.
1: really got to make that catch. It went right yeah. through his hands. He got to make that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, the easy, best throw. But it,
0: still yeah. wasn't, it still wasn't the easiest catch to make, having to completely lay out. But regardless, right. that, that was a complete uh, killer because the defense had just gotten off the field on a three and out. And I think at this point it was a, an 11-point game or a 13-point yeah, game. Yeah. It was a mm-hmm. two-possession game. So
2: it was and, still close. You know,
0: I mean, you were 0 for 4 on 4th downs. That's not going to happen every single week. Hopefully. Uh, oh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> if it does, we have a bigger problem. Yeah.
2: To me, like, one of the biggest problems in this game was that short yardage offense. Like, Gurley was supposed to come in to be the the fixer there, the guy that was able to convert those. And, they, and he did on the first down. Yeah, like, that. they did get it that time. But then, it did, not again. <laughs> they didn't get it again. Like, they got, they were, I believe, pretty dismantled on 3rd downs. And that was a big story of the game, you know. And, uh, I think even it's like Seattle wasn't, was like one and four on third down at one point, And then I think in the second half, they just hit all of them. So it was just really, really tough spot there for the Falcons to end up in. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's week one, you know, we got a long time. It's very
1: fixable. It's very yeah. fixable. It's very fixable. You know, a lot of the, the mistakes that happen offensively that's what I'll just leave it at that. It's very fixable.
2: Yeah. And like, it's true. And the only thing that gives me pause is that like, this is the same exact thing I said last year at this time, like it's fixable. These are the issues. And I feel like we're saying the same issues, although the offensive performance was certainly better than last year, week one, but um, like this is the same coaching staff. It's concerning to me that the same exact issues are our concerns here in week one, a year later. Um, So to me that that's a concern, (laughs) no way around that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know there's some uh, we need to get rid of Matt Ryan in the chat. So, you know, to you guys, I, I say, you know, uh, oh, you know, welcome got, back. Oh, welcome back, you. Matt Ryan haters. They got uh, yeah. they got thank you for the clicks. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, you know come on now i'm Matt through for
1: over 400 yards come on now what else is he supposed to do
2: right well you know he's not mike vick so he can't run for 50 yards on a scramble so therefore we need a mobile quarterback but (laughs) (laughs) you guys don't remember like michael vick wasn't the greatest passer okay like you know you you got there's trade-offs for each style of play so like matt Ryan was fine like get out of here with that like if you want to critique matt ryan wait till he has his you know one game of the year where he throws like four interceptions then you can come in here oh. with your critiques but
0: oh, Paul, we're going going to get the most views of the season on that show.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, it's going
0: to be it's going to be like a thousand views on that. One. Oh yeah,
2: all the all the haters come out of the woodwork for that one Matt Ryan game where he throws like three picks. So, uh, it's yearly tradition. <laughs> you know, we we accept oh, the clicks. But uh, well guys, yeah, I mean I I feel like I've I've exhausted, you know, my slander uh you know i'm not going to keep beating the dead horse here do you guys have any final takes to get off here before we wrap it up for this week
0: uh this was a rough one yeah. uh, i really i really thought we'd go into this one and you know maybe propel ourselves a little bit with a win but yeah i mean it's my own fault I, <laughs> i've seen this team in, in, in the first week of the past four years and that just doesn't happen hmm. um I mean, I was almost right about the 24 points uh, prediction that I had yeah. for the team. They yeah. scored 25, but they gave up 38. Yeah. Uh, I What I will say is, and we'll look ahead to the Cowboys next week, don't completely panic if this team is 0-2. I mean, don't panic, like, right now either. But don't <laughs> panic if we're sitting here next week, and the, at the same time and the team is 0-2 because – uh, you know, you, it it kind of lightens up a little bit with the Bears after that. Mm. But it, it's still very early in the season. Uh, let's save the panic for when we're three or four games below 500 at the very least.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and speaking of which, a stat that I came across in my research the past week, um, this team hasn't been above 500 at any point since 2017. So yeah. since the 2017 season last year we started off 1 and 5 and weren't above 500 um the year before our last year was 1 and 7 the year before we started off like 1 and 4 mm-hmm. or 1 and 5 so it, it would be nice to go into a week with more wins than losses because we haven't had that feeling in in yeah. like 3
2: years it's been a while yeah it has been a really long time sadly um which is you know add it to the the list of reasons that I'm frustrated right now but uh I mean, ultimately, like the players love Dan. They're gonna give Dan a chance to fix things, but he's running out of chances very quickly. Uh, like, I don't think I don't think Arthur Blank is gonna tolerate another one in seven start or anything similar to that. Like, fool me once, shame on you. You know, fool me three or more times, shame on me. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I was gonna say you were
0: gonna say twice. No, they, no, they got fooled last year too. Yes, last year. exactly.
2: So. obviously we all hope that they put it together (laughs) and this is just a blip on the radar uh we hope that every year I sincerely hope that because nobody wants these guys to get fired like let's be real here like we want this team to be great so um I like Dan Quinn yeah Dan Quinn's a great dude like I mean I don't have a problem with Quinn um so we just gotta we gotta get it together we gotta they gotta go out there and they gotta grind this week and uh fix these issues and hopefully it doesn't take them till the bye week to get it sorted out this time because uh that strategy not gonna work again this year So Uh,
0: the bye week is late in the season. Yeah.
2: They can't wait that long. Bye week is pretty late. Yeah. So that's not a week for a bye week. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Keenan?
1: Um, I would just tell everybody, don't panic. First game of the year, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be corrected and it's small stuff. You know, uh defensively, you know, I thought the D line looked pretty well. Uh just we just gotta quit giving up bad mistakes, you know, Mm -hmm. that Keep that, uh, they keep the drive alive for the other team. Uh, offensively, we just offensively, I like how Dirk Cutter came out to different formations. You know, he came out of a bunch of different, you know, some power formations. I like some 13 and 14 personnel, you know. Uh, but when you get behind in the score count, man, it changes up your play calling. So, you know, defense has got to do their job and then offense can do their job. You know, it just goes back and forth. Uh, don't, uh, Don't jump off the bandwagon just yet. They'll get it corrected. They'll get it fixed. Uh, Small stuff. Uh, I don't think it's personnel issues. we got some good players. Uh, It's just some assignment and some technique stuff so we don't have any penalties.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I know Vincent LeBare asked in the chat about the rookie punter, uh, Sterling Hoffrichter. I thought he played well. Uh, He had a couple of really good punts. That first one had great hang time and honestly should have been like a... Uh, like a stop at like the 10, but uh, I think Zacchaeus just couldn't make the tackle. He did manage to recover and get the tackle a few yards later, but uh, yeah, I I thought Hoffrichter was good. We didn't actually see that many punts despite the Falcons only scoring 25 points, but um, yeah, I thought he was good. That was somebody we didn't talk about earlier, so uh, I thought that was encouraging. And Koo hit two 49-yard field goals, so those of you that thought he couldn't, he was having trouble with above 45, uh, I thought both those kicks were excellent, so... Um, that's encouraging to see so as well. So I not proven it above 50. <laughs> well, you know, but that's the thing, really. Like, if, maybe if, you know, you should just go for it on fourth down if it's above 50. Maybe. No, so.
0: I mean, the first one would have been good from, like, 59, probably. Yeah,
2: that was a great kick, that first one. That's fantastic. So, uh, yeah. No issues there so far. Koo with the godlike extra point. Ku gets the game ball for that, for that, uh for that onside kick. I mean, that was, that was a thing of beauty. So, uh, but yes, guys, uh, just a reminder, we'll be back on Wednesday night, eight ten PM Eastern. Uh, we'll get to, we'll watch the game again, get that coach's film, do a more in-depth breakdown and then look towards Dallas next week. Uh, but until then, guys, thank you for tuning in. Like I said, if you don't mind throwing a like to the video, subscribe to the channel. You'll get notifications when we're planning to go live. Uh, and then before we get out of here, I want to thank my co-host first, uh, Keenan Forney, at K4065 on Twitter. Anything you want to let the people know about, Kenan? Um.
1: Oh, follow me on Instagram, F65Performance. Any young fellas want to uh, get some work, young offensive linemen, holler at me, DM me. Yeah. And uh also, to get out and support some high school football this week.
2: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Def- I mean, Keenan's out there working with Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry. He can he can help your game too. So definitely check that out. Also with us, Adnan Ikić at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, anything that you're working on?
0: Oh uh, yeah, my fantasy stud and dud uh article will go live tomorrow night, and I'll be doing a recap of the rest of the NFC South. And it looks like this Bucks Saints game is going to be a really good one
2: yeah i'm looking forward to it like, football's back i mean i got stuff to do sunday night now finally uh, i get some to watch some real live football uh and i'm, I'm excited about that uh guys i am kevin yes, Knight. Sir. yeah absolutely so i'm no matter what you get to at least watch some good football even even if it's not the falcons unfortunately but hey <laughs> beggars can't be I choosers i get, I get <laughs> to
1: watch some of my babies sort of speak at the yeah, play, you yeah. Know? i got to see chris and caleb today mm-hmm. tomorrow i get to watch Andrew against the Steelers. I'm gonna go here in a little bit and watch Solomon yeah, with the yeah. Dolphins. Mm-hmm. It's it's great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That that's always fun to to get to watch those guys you work with personally and see see how they grow and improve over time. Uh, guys, I'm Kevin Knight on Twitter. at am uh, I'll have lots of stuff this week. Uh, I'll have some sort of uh, article tomorrow about the game. Uh, you know, we'll have stuff all week long. Uh, at thefalcoholic.com. That's the best place for Falcons news. If you if you got here without knowing about the Falcoholic, those algorithms are killing it. But uh, you should definitely check it out. We have the best Falcons coverage consistently. Uh, hard-hitting analysis uh, and also positive analysis. It's not all bad, okay? No, not everyone slanders dirt Cutter like me, okay? That's my thing. So, uh, so yeah, check that out, guys. The show is Falcoholic Live on Twitter as well. Uh, until Wednesday night, guys, enjoy this Sunday of NFL football. Uh, we got to enjoy it while we have it. Hopefully we have it all year. Uh, But in the meantime, just get out there, enjoy yourselves, and uh, we will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Have a good one.
1: At Amica
0: Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back